All right, it's the Fantasy Finish Line, Episode 12, and the Saints keep marching on. It is the Drink 5, uh, I guess it's not anymore, is it? It's a Fantasy Finish Line podcast. We're going to be talking about fantasy football tonight, talking about what happened in Week 10, previewing Week 11. I am Jason, and across from me, as always, is Dave. Uh, joining us tonight is Mike Massarino. Mike has been on the show a whole bunch of times now. Thank you, Mike, for being here with us. Thanks for having me. Cheers. Cheers, buddy. Uh, we always want to start off, you know, find out what are you drinking? Ooh, so uh, this week I actually, on my way over from work, I stopped at Pal- uh, Pollyanna and uh, grabbed a bunch of stuff for a bet that I think Dave lost uh, last um, week. Oh, there, that was only like one beer. Yeah. Oh, okay. So we got a bunch of sours. We got a bunch of yummy stuff from there. This time we got LexiCal, which is an IPA. Okay. Uh, no, I was, it was the, the bet was uh, for me to pick up good beer for this show, not one beer. Oh, that's right. That was the good beer for this. I thought it was a different <laughs> bet, but we also bet on beer for last week. A lot of bets, man. A lot of bets, a lot of beer. But yes, the, the beer that I picked up from Pollyanna that you so graciously provided on your uh, trip over from work. And that one is called, uh, you said, Lexical, which is an IPA, right? Lexical, Lexical. Lexical Gap. Lexical Gap. Yeah. And uh, interesting brewery that just opened up, I think, this past Friday. Um, which is a good day to they open just a brewery. Up that room. It was a tap room, so the brewery is out in Lamont. A tap room, I mean. And good day tap, to open it up, though. A tap room close to us, which is nice. Don't open up a, a tap room on like Wednesday. No, <laughs> or it's that. a soft open. <laughs> but yeah, good stuff. And we have another one uh, that's a that's a bomber. That's uh, I guess a little bit more um, of of something that would be difficult to find. In the area, usually when they're making bombers, it's kind of a limited uh, production um, in these cases. And I think that might be the case with this one. I think they kind of rotate things in and out. So we'll talk about that in a bit when we open it. Uh, kick it back to uh, to Jason to start the show. All right. Well, um, first stop is going to be uh, my weekly article about stats. I love stats. I love it, especially when they don't really mean anything, but they're fun to talk about anyways. Um, so my column is called Statistically Insignificant, and uh, you'll see it every Monday on our website. So I'll just, you know, it'll, it'll give us a window, a, a vehicle into talking about Week 10. Um, so uh, on Thursday night last week, uh, Adrian Peterson, the top rushing player in the game on Thursday night, had 29 yards, 1.38 yards per carry. Um, he had more yards than both of the running backs in Seattle, Thomas Rawls and J.D. McKissick. Um, but really the big story in that game is that uh, Richard Sherman ruptured his Achilles. Um, he had been, he's one of the players who's been critical of playing Thursday night games because of the break, uh, or lack thereof that, uh, players get when playing that. Um, and, and this is an injury he had all year. I had kind of heard that it was the sort of thing that was going to go eventually, but it seems like maybe playing on Thursday night sort of sped that up. Yeah, he already knew that it was happening. This is what I've heard. And then right after uh, he tore it, of course, on the sidelines, everyone could read his lips. And, and he's like, he's like, 
fuck, I tore it or something yep, like it's that. Gone. So. It's done. I'm done for the year. Everybody can see that pretty clearly. That's unfortunate. He's a really fun player to watch um, and a huge part of that team. Um, <clears throat> so anyways, uh, I don't think that the injuries are necessarily greater on Thursday night, uh, but is it clear to you guys that the players don't look as sharp and that the, the play isn't as good? Just because a, a game is close doesn't necessarily mean it's a, a well-played game. I'm sitting this one out, but I know that you don't like Thursday night football. Right. <laughs> I like it because it gives me football to watch another day of the week. Yeah. Uh, however, like whenever I'm torn, and we always talk about it a week, you know, weeks out, if I'm torn between two players, one's playing Thursday, one's playing Sunday, I'll edge towards the Sunday player. Just oh, because definitely. Thursday games are weird. Same I try thing to with avoid. London games. You avoid them. I like yep. watching football. If there could be football every day of the week, I'd, I think I'd maybe one day break Tuesdays. I think that they should figure out... Give them like, Tuesday. Uh, yeah, Tuesday. Off. They should figure out a way to go ahead and put it on Friday or Saturday if they want an extra day. It's not because they don't want to compete. It's because they're not allowed to play yeah. there right now. So it should. figure out a way around it or something. There is a few benefits to Thursday night. Like you said, you get to watch football on an extra night it's great i i watch it every freaking thursday i watch the whole game every thursday so i bitch about it all the time but i still watch it um and another thing that i wasn't uh totally aware of so um the way that the players get paid essentially the way they determine the salary cap is they they take the gross amount of money that they're going to get for broadcasting and they cut it in half and the owners get half and the players get half and that second half is the salary cap which is why you're required to spend a minimum amount of money and all that um, but if they were to just straight up remove Thursday night games, that would cost each player about one hundred and forty-seven thousand dollars, which I, I had no idea it could be that impactful on them. So obviously the guys like Richard Sherman, and we'll talk about him in a little bit. But Ben Roethlisberger is also not thrilled about Thursday night games. Um, and we better suck it up this week. Well, yeah, he has got one coming up. But you know those guys, they don't notice the hit from one hundred and fifty thousand yeah. dollars, but. Obviously, you know, that's a big deal yeah. to the guys who were making the minimum. So, you know, other things to think about while we trash Thursday Night Football. While I trash Thursday Night Football. I know Dave doesn't want to get lumped in with that. Well, there are some, some articles that have been done going into details about Thursday Night Football. And it's hard to to uh, to take a small amount of games and compare them to a larger amount of games because it's not enough of a sample size to actually have that uh, that real comparison. However, according to Pro Football Focus, who've done this for a couple of years, for example, they've determined that the rushers have a slightly um, uh, more of a fantasy fo- uh, football point value in Thursday night football games than wide receivers do. Um, so whatever that tells you, maybe, yeah. that, maybe that means that, uh, that people are, are, are not able to run those, those routes full speed downfield after not having too much of a, of a time to recover. Maybe that tells you that uh, Thursday night football is uh, I don't know what, whatever whatever it's it's telling you that's that's what they've come up with in their numbers. But if you compare them, they're similar, right? So for example, they they took these numbers from 2013 and 2014, what I'm looking at right now, and the uh, the touchdowns are less than on Thursday night than they are on uh, the regular games that occur throughout the rest of the week. Yeah. And perhaps that's what you're talking about, is that there's uh, less touchdowns. The other statistical values all seem to be on par. I wonder, I mean, you could probably do a study at this point. There's been about 10 years of Thursday Night Football by now. So I wonder how it does differ um, from each week and from, you know, we need an intern to crunch all these numbers. 
<laughs> I just feel like the, I just feel like those numbers statistically would probably end up still being really close to center uh, when you have only one game each week uh, on the Thursday night. And granted, you're right when you say people don't have enough time to rest between. Then maybe those numbers are a little bit lower. Sure. I mean, the the things that I really sort of stand by, and we'll move on from Thursday night football, is that they don't get enough time to rest, and that seems to be the common refrain. So I'm fine with football on extra nights. Let's figure out a way to do it on a different night, maybe. That's all. But I'm doing stuff on Friday, man. <laughs> and they can't do it on Saturdays. Uh, well, I think that they could compete just fine with college football. Well, it's not about competition. Wasn't there like a like a contract that was signed at some point or something between part college of the, and NFL? Part of the NFL as a corporation, not the teams, but the NFL league office as a, as a um, part of its antitrust exemption is that it will not compete on Friday nights against high school football and Saturdays against college football. That's why Thursday is a thing. But what I'm saying is maybe you figure out a way to pay some taxes and get that exemption removed. Well, we've got Glenn in the chat room who says if your team is up by a lot on Sunday and you have to play Thursday, then bench every starter. Uh, that's not a bad idea for coaches. Unfortunately, you know, with a active roster of, I think, 45 or 46 players every week, you don't have that many spares all the time. No, you have to play some Thursday guys. Right. And like I said... No, uh, no, no, no. He's talking about the real team, I think. Like, if the real team is doing well on Sunday, bench your guys for the whole fourth quarter because you're playing on Thursday. Because you don't have any control of it fantasy-wise. Or just play Thursday games with buy teams. After a buy, you go into a Thursday That is a game. very popular um, response I see on Reddit all the time and other places where people comment about this is that just do it after buy, and you know that would require some restructuring of the way that they do it. And the the owners really want more football games, so yeah. you could see that you could see a two buy system uh, entered in, and they still then they would do a Thursday night. They might even do two Thursday night games. But I what I would like is a double Monday night mm. every week. That would be cool. We'd be up late. Well, I mean, I don't know. East Coast <laughs> games start really late, anyways. So I got to assume that most people don't stay up for that. I think most people, if you're talking about uh, the like majority of Americans that have a full-time job, are going to bed at 10 o'clock. Exactly. So they're, they're not, not able to up. see both games. Yeah, they're not staying up. Well, they're not even staying up for all of the Monday night games. Well, exactly, which is why they wouldn't do the double games because they're going to miss out on a lot of viewership. And, and really, that's the important thing here, right? It's not your fantasy football team. It's not the NFL and the well-being of football in general. But it's how much money you can make um, you know, from, from the viewership and from the commercials. Well, a double would be <laughs> 6 o'clock, 9 o'clock. A 9 o'clock game is, it, it will go till midnight. People would watch the start of it, but they would watch all of the early games. I think I'd watch the first drive and I'd be out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well. Like, oh, this game's going great. I, I'm an addict. I would watch the whole damn thing every week. Um. Okay, so moving on. Uh, six rushing touchdowns. The Saints hit six rushing touchdowns on Sunday against the Bills. Um, the Saints look great. So I want to know, guys, are uh, is the Saints running game like going to just kind of uh, carry them to the promised land, or is it going to be Drew Brees that needs to carry them to the promised land? Like, Are the Saints really that good when it comes to rushing, or is it that the Bills are really bad and it just kind of was unbalanced last week. Well, I think the team is great. The reason why they're able to run so well is because Drew Brees is always a force. Yeah. And so he's always able to throw, you know, uh, downfield touchdowns to Michael Thomas, etc. And it's always going to be that way as long as he's their quarterback, uh, at least for the next, 
for the rest of the season. I hear there's all this talk about him not being there, etc. We'll see what happens. But for the rest of the season, there's no way you can guard against two good running backs when you also have a great quarterback and receivers. Yeah, they can't stack the box and go all in at stopping a run because Drew Brees is going to shred you apart. But also, uh, the Saints have a defense, uh, a reliable defense that's keeping them in games, and they're able to rely on the run game to carry them throughout the whole game. That's the main thing, Mike, is is that before they never really had a good defense. It was always Swiss cheese. Now that they're actually doing well defensively, uh, at least in the passing game, I'm pretty sure, uh, at least in the last like four or five games, I'm not sure about their whole season stats, but um, they are now able to compete because they can put up points no matter if it's on the ground or through the air, and they can prevent you from scoring more than like you know 25, 30 points. Yeah, yeah that's huge. They, they look great this year. Um, so I was ready. I was ready my question, but not my stat. I'm sorry, guys. So 208 consecutive starts uh, for Eli Manning. He ties his brother for the second most. Uh, in that consecutive list behind Brett Favre. I believe that's for quarterbacks. I think there are a few other players that have uh, eclipsed that 208 mark. Um, so, you know, the only problem is that it was such an awful game on uh, such an awful season for the Giants. Um, they made C.J. Beathard look really good. Um, so what what I want to know about this game is, are Eli already for the rest of the season? Will Eli and Ben McAdoo finish the season for the Giants? Like, what are the chances that both of those guys are there starting Week 17 on the sidelines, ready to go? I don't see a better solution right now. I don't see any other people they can slot in, so I don't think there'll be a midseason firing for the Giants, but that's just my opinion. I don't really care, but I think <laughs> I think McAdoo's gone. Eli's not going anywhere. Um, it's, you know, next. Well, they yeah. know they're going to move on to the next coach, but but how are they going to save the season? They're not going to. So, what's the no. point of putting someone in the you know uh, in the dunk tank? Just get him out of there. It's greasy hair, and it's... <sighs> there's not that many games left. They're not going to make the playoffs. No, yeah, they're, they're not, not going to change anything. So you basically got a whole bunch of free games for uh, for other people. It's like it's like that uh, you know fantasy team that's in your league that's not doing so well. And yeah, they're the taco of the league. He'll set his lineup, but he's not making any moves. He's not making any trades, and and it's pretty much impossible for him to win games going forward. Yeah. So a couple of interesting stats from that game. Uh, it was the first time in 708 days that the Niners beat a team that wasn't the L.A. Rams or St. Louis Rams, because um, it goes all the way back to that. And then on the other side of that, the Giants have given up a touchdown to opposing tight ends once every game going back to last season. So um, great sign for Travis Kelsey and the Chiefs playing the Giants next week. Uh, Mitchell Trubisky had 297 passing yards. He was on the passing leaderboards all afternoon, and that was really annoying me because I knew that it was a terrible performance still. Not terrible, but um, I guess the real question here is, has anyone emerged in your mind as a wide receiver to own on the Bears? Obviously, it's Dontrell Inman, but I'm still not going to pick him up myself because they're they're too unpredictable. So still not worth really bothering with the claim. No one's going to win their league this year with Trubisky or Inman, in my opinion. I concur. So, I mean, you could pick him up, you could put him on your bench, you could even play him, but he's going to have weeks where he doesn't get any points. Um, and then the last stat I had is that Jacoby Brissett broke a record, uh, well, tied a record uh, on the Colts that I was surprised about. So uh, it had been 50-plus years since a Colts quarterback threw at least four 60-yard touchdown passes in a single season, which means 
uh, you know, John Harbaugh, who was pretty good, and then Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck, both of whom are fantastic quarterbacks, never did that in their careers as Colts. Uh, so Jacoby Brissett goes into the record books right next to Johnny Unitas. You, you figured that those names would be together for history, right? Um, so th- what I want to know, not about the Colts really in this game, because who cares? They're 3-7. and seven. Uh, They're, uh, you know... Not as bad of a dumpster fire as other teams this year. Good for them. Yep. Uh, what I want to know is why isn't the Steelers' offense clicking like it should be? You guys are the Steelers fans. What are you seeing? Uh, is it just being frustrated with Ben, or is there something else going on, uh, like bad offensive line play, or Le'Veon Bell is not as good as he used to be? Steelers, like in going back for years, I feel like we have a bad habit of playing down to the competition. Um, We've been playing teams that are not that good this year and we've been playing down to their level and that's exactly right yeah and uh, look when we played the chiefs the chiefs were undefeated going into pittsburgh or well we actually we went into, i mean we had a decent game against them but yeah, yeah. plus uh I, I think that steelers fans nationwide and there's a lot of us want to blame a lot of things on todd haley too uh todd haley is our offensive coordinator is not the smartest guy on the block and he has a lot of guys to work with but it's it seems unusual when you're making um uh, what I would consider poor decisions uh, offensively in a game. Like you're playing against the Colts, you're doing certain things, you're, you're uh, trying to do like uh, end arounds or, or pass the ball to Juju or, or whatever. Like I don't understand why we're not doing these simple slant plays and uh, getting Antonio Brown open with picks and things like that. It doesn't make any sense to me. So uh, I think he tries to get cute. He has a lot of things at his disposal. I put a lot of that on the offensive coordinator of the team. Do you think the offensive coordinator is sort of the reason why the team only achieves, like, because they're game planning against certain opponents, could that be the reason why they play down to their competition? Because the game plan is is so tuned to the competition. Well, we do have to remember. not necessarily tuned to their strengths. As fantasy footballers, we want everyone to go off every week, but that's not how it always works in football. Certainly not with the Steelers and the Bears and other teams like that that play old school football. And Mike Tomlin is just trying to win the games. He's not trying to get us tons of points from Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell. Sure. Uh, And I, I totally agree. But I guess from a fantasy football perspective, the team that was most hyped going into the season that still has the most healthy talent on it, I would say, is not producing the big fantasy numbers. Ben Roethlisberger has not broken 20 points in a standard league yet this year. Well, I think that they, they may be able to do a little bit better through throughout the year, the rest of the year, because they do have some good matchups in uh, the, the Ravens and the Bengals. Um, I, I like uh, playing within our division because it doesn't seem like the division's doing so well outside of us. Um, but but I will say that uh, they are underperforming, and I, you know, there's no excuse in my opinion. I don't know why it's not working out very well. Yeah. But I, I would say that uh, Ben's getting older. He admittedly, you know, said to to uh, uh, all the press that he was having trouble himself, etc. Thing is, the, it wouldn't help us any to have a new quarterback because he would be far worse than Roethlisberger. So, oh yeah, that's true. I have a feeling that the Steelers will step up at the end of this year. Um, they'll make a playoff run. We'll see where they go. But they're kind of—I feel like they're saving up uh, a little bit of juice uh, in order to a little bit of juju to make it farther in the postseason. Because as we know, as Steelers fans, they often make it to the race. Yes. The problem with us is that we can't beat the Patriots. We can't <laughs> we can't get past Welcome the, to the rest of the NFL. We can't get past the AFC championship game. Well, well only the mighty giants can defeat the Patriots. We still have the most rings in the game. So, you know, we're we're working on it. 
But uh, trying to I'd take, love it if you guys beat the Patriots. Trying to take bias out of it. I think the Steelers uh, they're doing things like they're not playing James Harrison except for like five plays a game. You know they're uh, they're they're trying to keep it. Uh, uh, very baseline on a lot of their offensive players and not run crazy routes, etc. Because the last time we want to get is uh, Le'Veon Bell or Antonio Brown uh, or Ben Roethlisberger injured before we make it to the to the real game. Yep. Well, the Steelers are seven and two. They're doing great. They show up twice more on my notes, so we'll get to more Steelers. Hey, if we're winning, soon. man, uh, it, it's fine. All right, so we'll uh, hit a few injuries, and uh, most weeks when Mike isn't planning for or recovering from his wedding, Mike talks about the injuries that we have uh, each week, so uh, keep an eye out for that maybe next week. Next week. Um, So just a reminder, Richard Sherman is out in Seattle. So those of you who've always hesitated starting your wide receivers against Seattle, there's finally enough injuries to the Legion of Boom that you can go ahead and freely start your receivers. Uh, Just a reminder, a public service announcement, if you will. Um, so Drew Stanton is now down for a little while. Blaine Gabbert is going to be playing. You Irrelevant. Probably, you probably weren't starting anyone <laughs> other than Larry Fitzgerald, right? How does that affect Larry Fitzgerald? Uh, not much. Larry Fitzgerald is the man. Well, don't I mean, worry about Larry. I don't know if we've seen Gabbert throw to Fitzgerald, right? I I can't imagine that he wouldn't. Like there, there's there's always quarterbacks who come in and they're in tune with like a backup guy, but. Larry will make sure he's in tune with you. I know we say that, but we've got uh, the same kind of situation with like uh, DeAndre Hopkins in Houston, where there for a while there Hopkins was doing nothing because all the quarterbacks there were devoid of talent. Last year, yeah. So but you, this year, there, this year he's still doing okay with the backup. Well, Savage, the starter currently, was with them for multiple years, and so he was able to develop a chemistry. I'm just saying, yeah. a guy like Gabbert may not connect with Fitzgerald, and that's happened before. And I know it's it's going to be silly to bench a guy like Fitzgerald, even if Gabbert comes in. Doesn't mean that Fitzgerald's going to have low fantasy value, but I think he takes a hit directly, all, all, like immediately. So you think Blaine Gabbert is going to be a clear downgrade for the Cardinals? No, he might even be better than Stanton, but we don't know who he's going to throw the ball to. We don't know who he has chemistry with, and we don't know what's going to happen. Okay. It's it's tough. And I know, like for example, uh, last week you were saying that everyone should sit Larry Fitzgerald. Or at least you should in, in your lineups. And that's because you looked at it and you said, you know, they're playing against this team. Right. They have and, this and quarterback. I, and mostly I was wrong. He had 10 catches for 113 yards. Well, you, I lucked out because the player I started over him had like 10 for 140. Well, you were wrong, but that happens. Right. It's fine. I was still wrong about sitting him. But point being, um, you know, you don't want to ever sit Fitzgerald, but he's going to have times where he doesn't click with the guy or he doesn't play a good game. And starting him with a new quarterback and one that wasn't on the team last year is probably not a good idea, right? Well, they play the Texans this week. Um, I, you know, don't listen to me about Larry. I'm biased at the moment because I watched the Larry Fitzgerald football life yesterday, and that shit was, uh, there was onions is all I'm going to say. So, so uh, you're just going to start them in all situations I'm right starting now. them all week this week. That's, everywhere I can this week. Arizona. I'm going to get a DFS team just to start Larry. When you talk about like the show they had on Amazon where you where you see all of them individually and you want them to do well and they do terribly, it, the, you know, the shows will do a good job of dramatic Hard effects. Knocks and All or Nothing like, really aren't picking the right teams yet. Yeah, but they want to do that. One year they're going to pick a good team, though. It's Hard Knocks awesome. this year was Tampa Bay, and everyone's like, they're going to do so well. They're primed to be a great team. And then Tampa Bay goes in, and they just shit the bed. 
bed. Oh, all over the bed. <laughs> Literally, they had to wipe it up with a towel. It was terrible. Like on the floor, on it, your pillow. It was pretty bad. It was yeah. graphic. Yeah. Uh, By the way, stuff. this lexical gap is fucking good. That's Excellent. Really and it has a very clever uh, saying on the side. So go buy a can and read it. Shout out to Pollyanna from Roselle. Yep. So when I wrote this, I wrote, Rob Kelly is out for a few weeks. I do believe they placed him on the IR. Yeah, he's in done. In the meantime, yeah. So it's time for Samaje Perrine, uh, or Pirine. Pirine, yep. Um, I, as usual, don't expect Chris Thompson's usage to go up much. They're going to use him for 12 touches a game, maybe. Um, but Pirine will be the guy between the tackles, getting first and second down a lot. There'll be Chris Thompson drives and third down. So I drafted P. Ryan in, in my Dynasty League, and I like this guy to show up for next year. I didn't expect for this to happen, this Rob Kelly injury at the end of the year. I would actually expect for P. Ryan to become the uh, you know uh, the guy in that backfield, except for, of course, the 13 touches that Chris Thompson will always get, because why would you stop giving it to Chris Thompson? I agree. But, but P. Ryan is a great rusher. In fact, uh, he, uh, on his college team, I think w- broke some records uh, in college for how good he was. And the only reason why he hasn't been more involved is because he's fumbled the ball uh, several times uh, so far this year. So if he can not fumble over the next game or two, he will be entrenched as the number one guy and a starter on your team, and I think, in a flex spot. Excellent. So I think he's available on a lot of waiver wires. He was only 8% owned when I looked it up. Yeah, he's basically not owned anywhere. Yeah, so. yeah that's great. Um, so back to the Steelers for a minute. Joe Hayden uh, had an injury. He's out and definitely fractured his fibula, I think. Mike Mitchell didn't finish the game. Uh, corner and safety gone from the Steelers. Their pass defense had been really good. Um, but Dave, you were talking about this on Reddit. You were saying that they had a really easy schedule leading into this. They, they did. So six of the worst 10 passing offenses, if you look at them year to date, they played already, which is why they might be number two behind the Jaguars. Maybe they're the worst because of them, though. I should say mm. I should say that uh, uh, Mike Mitchell uh, has been said that he will play next week already, so that's, that's not a huge concern for us. Okay. Joe Hayden, it's been said that he'll come back in a couple of weeks. You said out indefinitely when we talked earlier, and that's true, but uh, there's good news, I think. Uh, it sounds like um, coming will be able to probably come to the playoffs. But, but my, and it'll be especially helpful if they get a buy. But my point in your, uh, in your posting, and again, that was on this uh, subreddit, uh, uh, Fantasy Football, which we will endorse as a good place to get some, some crazy hype if you want to pick up the wrong players and some if of the right players. If you want to pick up Josh Gordon way too early <laughs> every year. Got him. <laughs> uh, the, the thing about the Steelers is that Joe Hayden was playing really well, and it was a great pickup from the Browns. And now they have a, a guy who is from the Titans, strangely enough, uh, who is their uh, their backup defensive back in that position. His name is Cody uh, Sensabau, I believe. I'm not sure how to pronounce his last name. He's played in the league for four or five years. Uh, I think he was he made a Pro Bowl one year, so he was a good defensive back. However, he's been average over the past couple of years. He was picked up after being dropped from the Giants and some other teams maybe even so the idea here is that um, they're going back to the kind of secondary that they had last year which is a secondary that gets burned by uh, opposing wide receivers so uh, I would I would think that until we get Joe Hayden back and Mitchell is 100% that we're going to give up some big touchdowns in games doesn't mean they're not going to win but fantasy wise you shouldn't be as afraid of playing against the Pittsburgh Steelers passing defense so I like Corey Davis. Money's on him. I think that Corey Davis this week, having gotten all the targets, I don't know if you guys saw the game last week, but I went and watched the replay 
the the one that they play that's like 45 minutes where you can watch the whole game. And Corey Davis might have had two or three touchdowns in that game. There was a couple overthrows. There was a drop by Davis. But he had like 10 targets and was clearly the number one receiver in that game. So I think Davis is going to torch the Steelers. And I'm a Steelers fan. Yeah, yeah, I agree. He fumbled going into the end zone. There were two of those this week. Yeah. There was the Bears game. Oh, yeah, that's right. Corey Davis did it first. And then Corey Davis. Corey did, uh, Davis did it shortly after. It was like oh, it was shortly. Oh, I thought five I, to ten Was there one right apart. before that then? Yeah, the Bears. No, but before the a, Bears, I thought there was one. No, I don't think so. Uh, I think there was another one. I think there were three. What? I think he's right. But I, uh, I, I just, I believe that. Uh, it's really fun. Every Sunday, I, I have to educate the people around me about the really stupid rules yeah. that exist in the NFL. I'm just scared. And I'm happy to help. But. I'm scared of this situation, and and a lot of people, as uh, as it was um, made known to me by that Reddit thread, um, they're not familiar with this, and they just look at Yahoo or NFL.com or ESPN, and they say the Steelers have the number two pass defense. Well, they did, and that's true. But those facts uh, do not They're relate. They're residually good on the stat sheet. They don't relate to all of the current information. Right. So I would, if I was to rank them right now, and this would just be, uh, you know, a number kind of in the dark. But I would, I would take them from two as far as like yards allowed to probably more like uh, uh, average to below average going forward for the next couple of games. They make they made Jacoby Brissett look pretty good. He looked great. Who's not bad, but he looked really good. He has been getting better too, but yes. 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 Okay, so moving on to uh, start your Packers. Corey Davises. Yes, uh, Aaron Jones <laughs> and Ty Montgomery are both going to be out for a couple weeks. Jamal Williams is the pickup there, um, the guy to check out. Uh, so you know the backfield is hurting there. They already have no quarterback, so um, you know uh, the outlook is bleak for the Green Bay Packers. They can't play the Bears every week. Um, Devontae Freeman is in the concussion protocol. He is not expected to play on Monday night, so you have all week to find a replacement. You have no excuses. He hasn't been doing that well. Whoever you find to replace him will probably get the five or six points he's been in the last couple weeks. Um, Curtis Samuel was just starting to break out on the Panthers' offense. His ankle injury is severe. It's going to keep him out for the rest of the season. Um, it's so, sad when a rookie goes down like that. It sucks. Yeah, he was just starting to break out in this game. He had like uh, he was clear, seven targets already. He was clearly the number two receiver on the Panthers, and now he's nothing. Yep, and it was a game when they, uh, I think, had the most yards offense ever for the team. So Greg Olson is coming back. You guys pick up Greg Olson anywhere over the last couple weeks? Yes, two places. Uh, you have to pick him up now or last week, or you're not going to get him. I think because, you need to go back in time and get him last well, week. Well, Greg Olson's still available on a, on a lot of waivers, but interesting. Um, I don't know what his percentage is. Uh, maybe someone can find out here, or I'll look later. But uh, I still see him on waiver wires. I just feel like if you're doing well in a league, you're not going to be able to pick him up because someone else might. Yeah. But remember, one of my tips to give people is even if you're doing well and you don't feel like you're going to be able to get somebody, oftentimes nobody picks him up still. They don't see what you see. It's true. Greg Olson owned in 60% of Yahoo leagues now. So there's like 50 last week. There's still a lot of leagues yeah. that he's available so in. So he's going to be available in play. Tonight's going to be a they big one. They need him so bad. There will still be leagues when he's not where he's available next week because people don't look at the wire and understand uh, the bye week players or the players that are on IR to pick up, right. like guys like Danny Woodhead, which I'm sure you're going to bring up at some point. Uh, I I wasn't. When is he coming back? That's this week. week. All right, he's back. You weren't going to bring him. Up. Okay, so so <laughs> Buck Allen, who who was a starter for some people, especially Bye-bye. in PPR leagues. Good night, Buck. 
Um, it's it's going to be Danny Woodhead. And you know what's funny is that Alex Collins, who is an interesting player for the for the Ravens, is going to be overshadowed by Woodhead. And uh, I think it's just going to be Woodhead all the way down from here on out. Alrighty. Any any thoughts on that, guys? I agree. I think while he stays healthy, if he stays healthy, uh, Woodhead's the man to own over there. Woodhead. In the he's Baltimore been, Ravens. He's been practicing two weeks. He doesn't want to talk about Woodhead. No. Nope. I really don't care about <laughs> He has no Woodheads. No, no Woodheads. <laughs> Baltimore's competing. They need to win. They, they have Joe Flacco, man. Oh. Yeah, so someone, someone king, pulled the flag king of the weekend. dump off. Yeah, so you know what's going to happen? Woodhead's going to get like eight passes off. a game for the rest of the season. Who was it that pulled the Flacco this weekend? Bortles. Bortles. Oh, Bortles pulled the Flacco, which is 50 passing attempts with less than 300 passing yards. You know, I'll, I'll let off of Woodhead, but I just find it interesting that you don't really care about him considering that every time he's healthy and on a team that dumps it off a lot, he ends up being like a top 10 running back at the end of the year. <laughs> He's, he's a good guy. He's a good piece, especially in a PPR league. You don't think so? Do you think he's uh, someone being overrated? Uh, I He's the kind of player that, like, like a Des Bryant, that is going to do fine. I just don't want him I on I hope he's like a Des Bryant. Because I can't, <laughs> I can't rely on what is going on with him. Wow. I, I feel like it's a, it, it's kind of, I mean, you know, if you pick him off of the wire wire, that's great. But I don't know if like people were holding him all year. I think that was the wrong move. Well, I didn't say that. Yeah, okay. I think he was dropped in most leagues. Yeah. We have a question out uh, in the audience. So, uh, Ginn, Crowder, or Corey Davis? Uh, and I'm going to say Corey Davis all the way, 100%. Yeah, I would agree that Corey Davis is the right thing to do. Dilly dilly. All right, well, dilly dilly. Dilly that's, dilly. Uh, that's the three of us saying uh, Corey Davis is great. Hopefully I'm not playing against uh, um, anybody who's starting Corey Davis. That would suck. All right. Well, we're <laughs> going to pick five really quick. Uh Pick 5 is our weekly waiver wire column done by our buddy Jim Hutchins. Uh, every week he you know, will give you five players that are under 50% owned in Yahoo leagues that you can go out and pick up. So a lot of these guys are owned in only a very small amount of leagues. So very quickly you got Marquise Goodwin who is 15% owned. Uh, you're going to need him for a uh, playoff run because he is not playing this week. So you can't use him as a replacement. Um and uh, maybe he gets a little Jimmy Garoppolo action. We'll see. So Marquise, the the guy who uh, went to the Olympics, one of the fastest people in the NFL, uh, wonderful long touchdown after just losing uh, uh, the child that him and his, his wife had uh, recently birthed. That, that's really terrible. Um, good job on him for going in and playing that game and, and uh, having that kind of a, a touchdown. And I agree with you. I think he's a burner that's going to come out. But it's boomer bust. That's that's you're talking about like a Des Bryant Woodhead situation. I would consider him much less consistent. Personally. Oh yeah, I would pick one of those other guys first. <laughs> I, I didn't mean that Danny Woodhead is is as good as Des Bryant. He's just a, a fantasy player that I understand is going to start every week that I don't really want to have on my team. Welcome to the Danny Woodhead Would He or Wouldn't He Show. This is the podcast uh, hosted by <laughs> Jason and myself with our guest Mike, and we're going to take some callers. Uh, so Danny would or wouldn't? Would no, no. We'll see what happens with him. But you're right. I mean, like especially being injured for especially being on the Ravens the whole year. Who knows? I, <laughs> I, I, want, I just want to see you guys defend the Ravens for a minute. Look, as as a fan of uh, the Steelers and in the NFC North, I am happy with the current situation of the other teams. Okay. 
So Dontrell Inman, only 2% owned. Uh, he's a guy to pick up in deep leagues, I would say, but not in your 10 or even maybe 12-team league. Uh, only for deep, deep benches or 16-team leagues. Yeah. I mean, um, Trubisky's start, starting to throw it. That's that's interesting. I've heard all these rumors about John Fox, who is pretty out after this season, yes? Yes. That's how John Fox talks. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I thought he was Darth Vader there for a second. Yeah, he's kind of Darth Vader-y. <laughs> But but so apparently all the insiders say that Fox is already out. So so what's he gonna do? Is he gonna do something crazy uh, because he's gonna be the coach for the rest of the year? Like just not allow him to throw or like do like put people in that he shouldn't or like is he gonna have some kind of weird silent protest? I mean, if he's he gonna seems protest, like the guy. He would he would let him throw all the time and just get smashed. No, but he seems like the kind of guy to do like a weird silent protest. Is all I'm saying. Sure, I mean it wouldn't be silent. It'd be very hoarse and. Pleading and talking in circles. It wouldn't be silent, but you'd have to like stretch to hear it. it yeah. Would... So moving on, <laughs> Rex Burkhead is eleven percent owned. Uh, Dave, you kept talking about it before the Patriots game that they're going to give the ball to Burkhead. Oh, I more. knew it was going to be a Burkhead week. Yeah, him so, and him and Deion Lewis own that backfield now. Him and then Latavius Murray, who's forty four percent owned. Murray is getting consistent double digit touches each week, uh, even though Jarek McKinnon's on the field a lot. The Minnesota offense has been great. Behind the confident hands of Case Keenum, so yet I, you know Minnesota is still trying to put Teddy Bridgewater in. They're trying as hard as they can, and the fans want him as well because he's like a local hero. I know, but Minnesota. Case Keenum threw four touchdowns last week. I totally understand that, but but it was it was still hard for the coach. Team too. It was still hard for the coach to say that Case Keenum was our starter. I know they I know. want to, and I have I have family in Minnesota, and I talked to them uh, this this uh, well yesterday uh, after the game, and and. On Sunday, and uh, and they had said uh, my my brother in law, um, he had said that like everyone around them was wearing like Bridgewater jerseys, and they liked the story, and they want him to come back, and like everyone's basically rallying for Bridgewater right. to start this year right. and take them to the playoffs and win the Super Bowl. They are sure. crazy. It's going to be really they hard. It's going to be really hard yeah. for them to not put in Bridgewater if Keenum has a bad game. So Keenum has to be yes. like lights out for the rest of the year now. Yeah. Right. I'm just telling you, it's going to happen. Like as soon as he only scores like one touchdown, two interceptions, Bridgewater comes they in. They have a full blown co- quarterback case, controversy. Man. You're right. I'm not saying it's a good no. thing. I'm just saying it's, that's going to happen. You're they right. have a great. <laughs> they have a guy who's playing great right now, and they have a quarterback controversy. Yeah. That's how fucked up that is. That's a good thing to have. Yeah. You know who's not in the controversy is Sam Bradford. Nope, he's on the IR. <laughs> Uh, so Jamal Williams, uh, rounding out the Jim's five, is only owned in seven percent of leagues. He is going to be taken over for Aaron Jones and Ty Montgomery. So there's a guy who's going to get volume, if not very much production. Um, I, I prefer. I, I think I would prefer Burkhead or Murray ahead of Williams, but um, you know, clearly Williams is going to be the guy there. I like all those picks, and thanks to Jim Hutchins for writing that up every week. I do like Deion Lewis better than Burkhead. I think Burkhead might be a little bit of a trap um, because Deion Lewis is is more of a, a regular rusher between the tackles too, so you know that he's going to be used more consistently. And as you were talking about Woodhead earlier, if you're talking about someone who has a higher floor, then I think you're talking about Deion Lewis. Uh, that guy had two yeah. touchdowns last week. Yeah, two did. touchdowns. And Burkhead One had a touchdown, One of them was a too. return touchdown, though. Yeah, because he's the kick returner, too. Yeah. How crazy is that? So I, I'm just going to add five more uh, That's names the best. really quick. Dave, your favorite, the kickers, Harrison Butker and Jake Elliott, are both coming off of bye. 
pick them up because they got dropped in a lot of leagues, and they're going to bring you right through the playoffs. And I told people uh, this past week to to pick them up during the bye because you can pick them up after Sunday. You can pick them up after Thursday. Guys on bye, remember, those, those guys don't play games. You can still pick them up in most leagues before uh, the end of the week. So if you have a guy on your bench that you don't like, etc. In fact, some, some leagues even allow you to drop players that have already played. So you could drop someone who's already played that you don't like, pick up a, a kicker right away. And it's it's pretty great. But yes, Butker, Elliott, those guys are fantastic. Uh, I didn't realize that Butker was uh, the guy who was engaging um, in a battle with uh, uh, Graham Gano from the Panthers. Yeah, uh, preseason, and both of those guys are good kickers. But Jake you, Elliott was in the same situation in Cincinnati. Was he? Yep. So he got he was in a battle, got cut, picked up by Philly. Well, good good on him. After could, after their kicker got hurt, just like Harrison Butker. Tell you what, what kind of offense do you want to be on as a kicker? You want to be on New England. You want to be on Kansas City, Philadelphia. Oh yeah. You want to be on teams that are scoring a lot of points. Yep. So you're right, Butker or Elliott. If you can pick them up, pick them up. So uh, Kenyon Drake is owned in 58 percent of leagues. I'll break Jim's rule a little bit there to point that one out. He did have a big touchdown run. He'll get touches each week. Uh, and Samaj Pirine is only owned in eight percent of leagues. We mentioned him earlier. I love Drake. Uh, I know the Miami uh, the backfield is kind of a weird situation because it's developing. But you see Kenyon Drake go out there and be more explosive every play. Uh, he's getting a lot of touches um, as far as like uh, what he used to, right? So six, seven, eight touches per game. And he's doing a lot with them. But he's doing more than Damian Williams. And I think that he's primed to become the running back there. So uh, I, I look to him to be an awesome guy down the stretch as well. The only problem with that is that the Miami Dolphins offense is not the best. But yeah. when you look at a game like on Monday night against the Panthers, even when they were down, they were still getting him opportunities and allowing him to touch the ball. So yep. it's not like he's going to be taken out of the offense, which is what you want to see. Garbage points are still points, right? Like like a Marshawn Lynch, you, you'll have him in there. You're like, he's going to do well. Oakland falls behind. He doesn't touch the ball for the rest of the game. Kenyon Drake will not, you know, they're already behind. Yeah, you want, you want a guy who is... Uh, um, who, who that's not going to affect, basically. Right. Uh, one last one. The Chiefs are coming off a bye. Pick them up. They have awesome matchups for the rest of the year. They play the Giants, the Bills, the Jets, the Raiders, the Chargers, and the Dolphins. No big offenses in there at all. So go with the Chiefs for the rest of the year. All right. Okay. There it is. So... Cheers, gentlemen. So a couple of interesting situations going on in a couple of the games this week that I wanted to bring up. First of all, on Thursday night, Tennessee is going to be playing in Pittsburgh, and they're going to uh, have a different... um, sort of way of showing the game this week. So uh, anybody who watched the Sunday night game a few weeks ago in New England with all of the fog saw they did the Madden Skycam view for most of the game as the primary camera. It was pretty popular, and they're going to do that this week on Thursday Night Football. So the primary camera angle that they use is going to be the Skycam. Apparently they're going to have two of the Skycams. So I'm pretty... um, Excited to check that out. We have seen a lot. Uh, we have talked a lot of tonight about Thursday Night Football 
and the Steelers, um, and really the Titans as well. So I, I'm just saying, keep an eye on that. Um, and then <laughs> keep an eye out for Thursday night for a very interesting broadcast. So, anyways, uh, one other game that caught my eye: the Patriots are playing the Raiders in Mexico City on Sunday afternoon. And uh, it's not a primetime game or anything like that, but it, it's interesting conditions. It's in Mexico City at Estadio Azteca. So what was Denver doing to prepare for that game? Well, Denver doesn't care about that game because they're not in the game. Oh, I'm sorry. The Patriots, the Patriots played in Denver this past week, and they decided to stay with the Air Force Academy in Colorado Springs yeah, we were talking about this. To, uh, tra- be at elevation all week long. We were talking about this watching the game, so the teams can often decide what they want to do. Uh, well, all the time they can decide that. And they don't often do things like this, but when they do, it's for a good reason. And the reason for this is is what, Jay? I assume, well, okay, they may tell you, oh, we just want to be closer instead of flying back home, but it's got to be because they're going to stay at elevation. Yeah. The elevation of Estadio Azteca, where the game will take place, 7,200 feet. That is like take your fucking breath away when you go for a, a walk. So um, that that's not easy to adjust to. Players already have a hard time adjusting to like Denver. Yeah. Teams often go there, I think, a day early. What's the elevation at Denver? Uh, that's a mile high. So 52. So it's another 2,000 feet. Crazy. And it's not like, you know, it, it doesn't go up linearly. It's an exponential like increase really in how much thinner the air is. So uh, add to that, you know, the fact that Mexico City sort of sits in a bowl, even though it's so high. <laughs> so it, they, they usually have much worse pollution. Uh, the air quality is a lot worse. It's going to be during the day, not at night. Um, so, you know, this is just another thing on the Patriots, uh, I guess, resume that just shows that, you know, they're thinking way ahead of everything. So I'm looking at the the highest cities uh, as far as ev- uh, elevation. elevation in the world, yeah. and it's crazy. A lot of them are uh, way higher than that, uh, 13 plus, and the, the highest one in Peru, uh, I guess, is uh, 16,830 feet. So those guys, I don't know what's happening to them, but they should be doing, there's probably experiments going on with those yeah, populations. Yeah, it's probably like a mining <laughs> town or something. Well, there's a monastery in Tibet, which is 16,340 feet up. I was just listening to a They're developing superpowers, I believe. And they were were talking about (laughs) elevation, interestingly enough. And apparently, like, once you get above, like, 12 or 13,000 feet, like, you can't have... Women can't bring babies to term. Like, they have to go down to lower elevations. Yeah, it's not going to work. nine months there. Right. Yeah, it's crazy. Elevation will fuck you up. (laughs) And Oakland is pretty much sea level, so they better figure something out. Otherwise, they're in for a shock. Now, Oakland has played in Mexico City the last couple of years. Los Raiders. Los Raiders. And, uh, you know, we'll see how that goes. But um, uh, one other game, really, you know, that caught my eye was the Monday night football game, the Falcons and the Seahawks. This is a playoff rematch from last year, but, um, you know, Matt Ryan is not the awesome MVP. He is another one of the players, another one of the quarterbacks, who has failed to score 20 points in a game all year. Didn't you bring three glasses in? You have glasses. Anyways, um... That's about it for that. Uh, did you crack another beer there? What do we got? Yes, I have a glass. Although, you can't, I feel like you can't just talk to me because nobody knows what you're talking about. I was about. following up on it. Chill out. <laughs> Dave just cracked another bomber from Pollyanna. I'm going to pour this gentleman a beer. What is it that is in the bomber? Okay, so... That exploded all over the floor. Like. So again, from Pollyanna, this is a Norman 1943. It's an, it's an ale brewed with 
cardamom aged in oak barrels so with moving around since 1943. <laughs> Is that why it exploded? Yes, it's 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 from 1943, and I just bought it for fifteen dollars. Nice, yes. what a deal! Yeah. You know, oh, a while ago we had this conversation about about whiskey bottles. That whiskey bottles, um, if you bought one that was old from like the 1940s or something, that it would be aged, which isn't true because as soon as they put the the cork in those and they seal them up, they don't age. It's it's just whatever it is. You pop open a whiskey bottle from 1930, it, it's going to be a whiskey bottle from 19. 19- 30. Right. It's awesome. It ages in the barrel. Not- it's the same thing as whatever it was nice. when they put it in. But but these are different. Bombers and beers, they, they age and they change. Uh, anyway. Well, yeah, uh, because there's yeast in the bottle. We're, we're liking this things. brewery so far. So uh, so A plus so far. But this is a, a little bit of a sour profile, I think, to a golden ale. And we'll see how we like it. Oh, yeah. This beer is phenomenal. So uh, we're going to hit the over and unders from last week. Um Last week, it was just Dave and I. He had to buy good quality beers for this show, and he definitely succeeded by getting a slew of Pollyannas. Speaking of. Um, so we had Jordan Matthews at six points. I went under. He only had 1.4. Very nice. Uh, Terrence Williams at six as well. He came in under with only 0.9 points. Curtis Samuel, who should have gone over, uh, which would have given Dave the win, but he got hurt. Uh, and that's how fantasy football goes. He only had 4.5 points. It's totally how it goes, yeah. It, it so, was so disappointing because he, he was literally going to catch a touchdown when he, he, <laughs> when he, got hurt. When he like shattered his ankle or whatever happened. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so sad. They were like, no, Jason has to win. Well, you know, I, I'm much less sad to buy beer for you, wonderful gentleman, uh, on a podcast than, than, I, uh, than I am for him, who's, whose season is over as a rookie. And he was doing so well. I really had a lot... Uh, at least I was right about him, like being highly targeted and, and you know being a guy involved in the offense. Sure. I think next year you're going to find that he's he's going to come right back up. So that, that must be one of the reasons why they traded Kelvin Benjamin. Absolutely, they knew that they had him ready to go. Absolutely, and if he was injured, I bet they never trade him. Yeah, so uh, so we'll look at him next year and keep the guy like that on your dynasty league or whatever. Yep. And wrapping up last week's bet, Joe Mixon, we set the line at eight. He came in at ten. Dave went over, and Christian McCaffrey went over. He had two touchdowns. Of course, two touchdowns and seventeen points is a very Christian McCaffrey game. Um, so he went over the ten point line that we set. So this week we're going to have another uh, bunch of guys. The losers uh, will combine in order to purchase a board game for the winner. They're like Power uh, Rangers, about thirty dollars. Losers combine their powers <laughs> of losing. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe Captain Planet. I don't know. With, with our powers combined, we are buying bombers. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, so first guy on our list, and I'll, I'll guess I'll start off the lines. Um, Jared Goff is playing in Minnesota. Uh, he's been playing pretty good. He hit Robert Woods on long touchdowns the last two games. Um, he's thrown seven touchdowns in the last two games. Uh, they play Minnesota, who's given up the fourth fewest points to opposing quarterbacks. Uh, Goff is a QB1 this year. Um, but will he continue to be a QB1 and put up 18 points, which is the average for a QB1? Let's. Can I make a request? Please. Can we can we talk about him a little bit before we actually do the, the voting? Sure. What do you? We won't set 18. What do you? You know. Okay, what are your so, thoughts on golf? So, Mike, uh, give me some golf thoughts. Golf thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> I think the Rams in general are a great offense. I think this week Minnesota and the Rams, it's going to be a shootout. I think it's going to be a battle. Um, you golf thoughts. I'm going over. 
in golf my thoughts. golf thoughts. <laughs> your golf thoughts are over. No, no, no. You're not able to say that yet. I'm just saying let's, well, let's discuss this good He's player. He's tipping his hand. And then, and then Jason's going to be saying it. I, I want every little piece of stock I can in the Rams offense right now. Damn. That's going to help him out here. It's because you realize if he goes over and everyone goes over, it moves up. I know. Okay. I know how this works. So uh, my my opinion is that it's your first rodeo. Is it everyone saying Robert Woods broke out? I don't necessarily think that he's going to continue to operate on a high level. He's not the wide receiver. You don't think he's getting two touchdowns a game for the rest of the year? <laughs> no, <laughs> he's, he's not the wide receiver one there. But it's really great that he was able to do that because it, how fucked up is okay, it to be Robert not, Woods? If he's not, who is? How fucked well, up is it to be Robert? Sammy Watkins had a game like that earlier, like. Yeah, Cooper Cup is here and there. Todd what? Gurley, it could turn into a Todd Gurley Didn't game. Didn't I already he can run three screens? I already told you what my uh, opinions were on this offense before. It's that the the young coach uh, Sean McVay is trying to is trying to mix it up so much so that nobody knows what's happening in any game. So they might throw it to Watkins four times. It reminds me of someone. <laughs> Uh, they they might throw it to to Woods as the as the WR one. Maybe they're going to make Cooper Cup the the you know the the um the the guy who has the spotlight on him. Who knows? And obviously uh, Todd Gurley, they can't really hide him behind the offensive line. That's going to happen. But I, I anyway, I think that uh, against Minnesota, it's going to be tough. I uh, I think that Jared Goff is going to have a tough time. But eighteen points seems like um, it seems like. A, a, an average to slightly above average score for Jared Goff on the year, which isn't isn't hard to get. So, what, what are you thinking? Uh, I'm going to go over his 18. His average is like 18.24 on the season. Right. So I'm going to go over the 18. Uh, we did just see Minnesota give up, you know, points, not a ton, but they're they're not an invincible defense. I'll go under and say it's a rushing game uh, by the Rams, and maybe a little closer than a lot of people think. Are you going to stay over, Mike? I'm going to go over. All right. I was going to go under if Dave went over and throw the curveball. Whoa. <laughs> that would have totally... Wow. Blows your mind, man. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Kareem Hunt is playing in New York against the New York football giants. Uh, Hunt has been held to 12.1 points or less every week since week four. So, his explosiveness dropped off of a cliff... But it's the Giants. It's after a bye week. Can't he bounce back and score close to his season average of 16? I say close. We will start the line at 14 points. But first, Mike, I want to know, how happy are you that you dumped Kareem Hunt a couple weeks ago? I don't know how to feel about it yet. Okay. You, You think that the jury's still out on that? I think the jury's still out. I kind of agree. I think that Hunt might be able to bounce back. So I traded him for McCoy. I still think McCoy is going to be a better Ooh. better play rest of the season. Last okay. week kind of hurt, but he got eight more points than Hunt did. You could win there. That's tough. That's a coin flip. It's, it's a tough one. It's a coin flip. I think uh, Hunt is digressing. I think... Uh, like a lot of uh, running backs and rookies in general, when the tape is out on them, sometimes they do the same stuff and they get stopped. But it's it's my turn to guess, yes? The yes. rookie wall, if so you will. So I'm yeah. going to say he goes under the 14, and I don't believe in Hunt. I never believed in Hunt, but he did really well. I can't do anything. I can't say anything about what he already did, but I think that he's going uh, to go under the 14 points. I'm going to go over 14. I think 80 yards and a touchdown is feasible. He's got, I think it's five weeks without a touchdown now as a cream huntless owner. I think <laughs> that's what it was, and... 
uh, now that he's off my team, he's probably due for a touchdown. I think he's going to get that, and I think he's good for 80 yards against the Giants. Wow. Yeah, probably hasn't had a touchdown since, like, week three. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. He's only got four rushing. I don't know how many receiving he has. Uh, he does have two receiving touchdowns. Anyways, um, over, under, Kareem Hunt. I can't move the line. I wanted to move the line on him. Hey, you wrote these, man. I know. I, <laughs> are you saying that I should have had a, a pre-thought about it? I'm, I'm saying that you probably should have developed some kind of a, a picture in your mind of what was going to happen. Nope, I'm going under. <laughs> under on Kareem Hunt. Uh, I... I very nicely done. I think it's going to stay kind of weak for him. I think that they need to throw the ball to score points. I think Kansas I hope City. You're right. I think and there's going to be some Sharkhandrick West. I think Kansas City is a good team, but they're moving in more running backs and they're not going to focus on Hunt anymore. And, and teams are figuring him out. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So Adam Thielen uh, is playing. Is a fucking superstar. So the LA Rams, of course. Um, they're playing in Minnesota. So Thielen looked like the best wide receiver last week. He turned 12 targets into 8 receptions, 166 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, he had at least 5 receptions per game all season, double-digit targets, more than half of his games. But he's only averaging 9.82 points per game. Uh, it's really weak. I think that he could be a real star if he had a real quarterback. Um, so Thielen is trending up. Uh, Keenum has sort of figured it out more. Um, so will Thielen break 10 points against a team that gives up the Rams, give up the fourth fewest points to opposing wide receivers? Thielen's trending up. He's been like one of the best wide receivers the entire year, right? No, I mean, he's definitely had some really bad games. Huh. When he wasn't playing in them, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> Are you talking about week nine when he didn't play? Yes. No, dude, he had a streak of 2.4, 9.8, 3.9, 4.5, 9.6, 4.1. Like, that's most of his season. In standard? In standard scoring, yeah. Okay. I it's, I mean... Sure, he's much more of a PPR beast, but um, guys, even in PPR, he's not putting up great numbers. I always... I originally, uh, in a dynasty league, had drafted uh, Laquan Treadwell a while ago, and uh, I still like Treadwell oh, for I'm his so skills. Sorry. No, I still... He, he made the ESPN highlights for a one-handed catch. Like, he's a talented athlete, but the thing is... He's behind Diggs and Thielen, and whoever says that Diggs and Thielen are not like superstar wide receivers, they're lying to themselves. They they really are. And and oh, you Adam know, Thielen plays like he's got glove on his uh, glue on his hands. And the Vikings have no quarterbacks that have been stud quarterbacks yeah. uh, ever really since, uh, since Dante since, Culpepper. Yeah, exactly. So the point is, uh, in in my opinion, I, I I just love those guys. I think there's a reason why Treadwell never really broke out, right? Yeah, I mean, I suppose the reason is that they didn't have a quarterback. <laughs> anyway, uh, it's on Mike for Adam Thielen, right? Yeah, we're setting it at 10 points. 10 points, standard. I'm going to go under. Under. Uh, I'm going to go... Adam Thielen's playing a good team. I'm going to go over because, you know what, Case Keenum has to throw the ball like his life depends on it. I love how it's like he's never thought about this. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to think about it in the moment. I'm being dramatic, you guys. I go over okay. as well. Adam Thielen is fantastic this year. He may have had games where he didn't do so well, but, eh, I mean, could that be because uh, it was a surging Case Keenum you know, earlier in his starts? Now it seems like he's just lighting it up every week. I, I go with Thielen every week until he disappoints me. Okay, Mike's uh, like, it's going to be this week. It's going to be right now. 
Well, 10 points is a lot. You're saying he gets into the end zone. Right. If he scores nine in standard, he still has a good game. That's a good game. <laughs> so uh, Jimmy Graham is playing at home against Atlanta. Um, he's very touchdown-dependent tight end, uh, but he's been good for Russell Wilson this year, much better than last year. Not super productive like he was back in uh, New Orleans, but that's because he's not getting the big yardage totals. That's what he used to get in New Orleans. It was 100 yards a game and a touchdown. Um, so he hasn't broken 60 yards since week four when he had 61. Uh, and Atlanta gives up the third fewest points to opposing tight ends. So can Jimmy Graham keep his average up and score eight points this week? Um, I'm going to just go ahead and say no, and I go under. <laughs> you guys want me to pick quickly. There you go. Oh, man. You want to talk about him first, Dave? Eight points. I love to talk about uh, the players. Well, I, I like Jimmy Graham. I've liked him for a while. Since New Orleans, uh, obviously, uh, if you want me to be kind of like an announcer in the NFL, I have to bring up the fact that he used to play basketball in college. Oh, you mean like Julius oh. Peppers and so the, Antonio Gates? So that means, unlike all other football players, apparently he can jump and catch. Oh. Also shoot, though. If like if Jimmy <laughs> if Jimmy Graham needed to shoot the ball in between the goalposts, he could totally do that. Whereas, for example, a guy like Julius Thomas might not be able to do it. I don't know. Didn't play didn't play basketball in college. I don't think. Like like he might have. He might I have. Mean, he might have played. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um. Anyway, I think Jimmy Graham has been great this year. Obviously, uh, like you said, I don't know if I would uh, put the term touchdown dependent on him, but he has not been getting a lot of yardage. What I would say this year is that uh, tight ends are tough in general. Uh, it's one of those years where there's not a whole lot of tight end scoring, where if you have like the top five tight ends and they're the ones that are really doing all the work for you. Uh, so if, if we look at, for example, uh, all the tight ends from the whole season, um, we've got, let's see, my fantasy points. We've got Jimmy Graham as the fifth high-scoring tight end for the year at 71.5 fantasy points. Ahead of him is Evan Engram, surprise. Zach Ertz, awesome year he's having. And then Rob and Travis, you know, Kelsey and Gronk, right. who we already who knew were going to be one and two. Like in my in my rankings I in the, in the beginning of the draft, I had them one and two for sure. I think most people did. Yeah. Uh, although I will say I had Travis above Rob, and not a lot of people didn't. So let's continue that, that strategy. Oh, he's got we? him by five points right now. <laughs> Um, but as the fifth highest scoring tight end, I have to believe in him. And uh, the fact that uh, the uh, the Seattle Seahawks have lost a lot of defensive talent, I think the offense is going to have to make up for that. So I think Graham is going to go over uh, over eight points. That's what I say. Mike, I'm going to say he gets a uh, football and prime or a touchdown. Hopefully he gets a couple footballs. And, <laughs> Maybe uh, one or two footballs. He goes over. No, hopefully he gets like three or four. There you go. You got him over. Okay. I got an over. Uh, and then after we're done here, we'll write down our Drew Brees pass yards. No, let's do it right now. Let's let's all say it at the exact same time so that there's no way for us to uh, to lie. Yep. Yeah. Three, okay, three two, one, say the yardage. Three, two, one, yardage. Got it? Yep. Who's going to count us down? Three, two, one, 225. What'd you have? 245. 225. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not high fiving. <laughs> I got the low one up. <laughs> so, can I get a repeat? That's a 225 for me. That's Dave and Mike. 236. And then Jason? 
is two forty five. So he's got the high. And Jesus, you, you have trapped. to have a very small yes. uh, opportunity cost there. <laughs> So <laughs> I should have so changed it. <laughs> so it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun game. And what's interesting about watching the Saints right now is exactly like Jason said earlier, is that Drew Brees is not throwing the ball crazy like he used to do because he has such a good running game and a, such a good defense. And that's one of those things that's great for a quarterback because it doesn't it doesn't spell you out of the game. It doesn't make you so tired. It doesn't uh, you know uh, cause you to get sacks because you're you're waiting so far against. Uh, uh, the defensive line. So, I mean, I love it. I think he's going to sell a lot of Jimmy John sandwiches for the next couple of years. <laughs> I do not doubt that. <laughs> so uh, wrap us up, Jay, or, or if you're going to move into something else here. Uh, no, that's pretty much it. Um, but make sure that you guys check us out on Twitter, check us out on Facebook, check us out next week. Um, go to the website, drink5.com. Follow us on Twitter at drink5. Go to facebook.com slash drink5. Uh, follow us mixler.com slash drink5 if you're listening to this later on and not actually right now uh, come back next week and listen to us live ask us questions on the air and we will talk about your team we don't promise any cheers guys drink five cheers.